We are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Educator Innovator Hangout on Air. I'm your host, Renee Gash from KQED, and I am joined by an amazing group of speakers here today to talk about their experiences making and teaching spoken word poetry. And this Hangout is part of a series of webinars from the National Writing Project's Letters to the Next President Summer Make Cycles. And if you haven't heard of Letters to the Next President yet, it's an amazing, innovative project that invites young people ages 13 to 18 to write letters and create media about campaign issues that matter to them. And you can learn more about the project at letters2president.org. Um, for those of you watching this Hangout Live, please feel free to post your thoughts, your ideas, questions in the built-in Q&A um, that's embedded in this video player. And you can also follow along with the Twitter chat. We'll be tweeting live at the hashtag 2NextPres with a Z. Um, and of course, after watching this Hangout, we want to hear from you. We invite you to please make some spoken word poetry yourself. Um, and tweet it out, tweet your videos, your, your um, audio files. Um, at the hashtag 2NextPres with a Z. Uh, we can't wait to hear what you um, create after this webinar. So let's begin our webinar with a series of introductions of all of our speakers. So um, Khalil, I was wondering if you could start us off and then we'll uh, kind of go down the line here. <laughs> awesome. My name is Khalil Anthony Peebles. I am the Associate Director of National Programs at You Speaks in San Francisco. And I think the question was something about when spoken word, the first time you hit spoken word, I was uh, probably 18. So it's been a, a long time. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Kathy from The Mix, do you want to start us off next? Hi, everybody. I'm Kathy Cormier. I am a librarian here at The Mix at SFPL. New awesome space. We just celebrated our first birthday. We are a space for teens, 13 to 18 years old, and we have a lot of collaborations and partnerships, including one with Youth Speaks. It's called Turn Up the Volume. is led by an amazing poet and spoken word mentor, Kay Swift, who unfortunately could not be with us today. So we'll be the mix is a very much of an open kind of space. So happy to share information about how this could work in a space like that. Thank you so much for joining us. How about Stephanie and then Josephus? Do you want to go next? Hi, I'm Stephanie West Puckett. I teach writing at East Carolina University in North Carolina. Um, and I'm also the Associate Director of the Tar River Writing Project. I've had the wonderful opportunity to work with Josephus and the Poetry Project over the last couple of years. We've been doing an uh, online science literacy collaboration that blends um, science, science practices, processes, concepts, science, uh, along with more poetry. Um, so we've had the opportunity to work with and learn from Josephus's group um, and make a lot of science poetry over the last couple of years. Um, so that's remix, remake, curate, the hashtag I make sci. Awesome. And Josephus, do you want to go next for us? All right, cool. Uh, my name is Josephus, and I'm the director of the Poetry Project uh, here in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I'm a poet and an artist educator. 
Um, I really love the art form and I love working with young people and working with teachers in order to show them how these poetry is a catalyst for their classroom. Very cool. And you have invited one of your students today, which is super exciting. Rosa Maria, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Rosa Maria. I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota, but I moved here and Josephus kind of found me. So <laughs> I've become one of his little poetry prodigies. And yeah, that's really it. Uh, I'm a senior in high school now. So um, <laughs> I've been writing for a while. Uh, and we're super fortunate because you've agreed to share one of your pieces with us today. Um, we thought a great way to start out with the spoken word webinar is to actually um, hear from a performer um, a spoken word piece. So I was wondering if you would do the honors and kick off this webinar with your uh, creative works. Of course. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Uncertainty brewed in the and the deep blue sea. A podium and my television screen. There's no way to rid us of our melanin. We've been trying to tell you that. Culture tarnishes palms sweaty from the labor used to make America great again. I'm wondering if your skin crawls at the thought of us bleeding to be more than just your palms. Tokens scattered across your stages to showcase your diversity. Nuestro amigo. I understand the relation, but there's a tightrope between being blunt and being ignorant, and God knows I've learned this. To pardon violence amongst other human beings, bone, flesh, and soul, and soul, and to dismiss it as passion is nothing less than unequivocally hijacking the breath of solidarity we've been striving to inhale for the entirety of this country's inauguration. You can't hold hands when they make fists, and it's evident that carpal tunnel dances through the caverns of clenched palms your supporters inhabit. You're damn right it's personal. An old oak tree rooted in machismo against the Cuban blue of midnight. I've only ever seen my father cry twice in my life. Once when his mother died, and then again at his first communion in 20-something years. He is sueños de colon and anxieties blurred. All palm trees that line Miami center highways and the joys of biting into mango when summer is ripe enough to drip down your chin. My father is culture incarnate. He cleans the apartment to the rhythm of salsa music, melting Saturday mornings into the afternoon, singing along his accent. Like cafe cubano shots it slow, it burns your tongue. We were, we were riding down the Leon Drive as the night began to envelop us. The reality settled into dust on dashboard. The gospel truth that one day this old oak tree was destined to be uprooted from the cement plot in front of our apartment. It'd be conversation seldom had. Treated his origins as a secret, whispered and woven between electrical wires, interior of drywall. Some days I feel guilty of facing the storm. for me. The culture has always been here, but it doesn't quite look the same. Like seeing the picture on the puzzle box, but never being able to get it quite right. I often have the habit of mistaking his silence for corner pieces, but I think I finally got it now. My father came to the United States on the medial boat lift of 1980. Living somewhere around Hialeah while he worked his ass laying down carpets and all those fancy hotels along South Beach to keep dinner plates of arroz con frijoles warm. 
Still hazy oceans painted as backdrop to the cardboard cutout. Some shit goes down. You know how that goes. Money is money. A felony subjects my father to deportation. We're huddled. Sunday evening. Harris teeter rotisserie chicken and minute rice on dinner table. Culture at rest for the day. WXII news shedding glowing against the fluorescence of sunfall. President Barack Obama is trying to take executive action to shield some 4 million undocumented immigrants from deportation. I let the full oak table fall silent as I asked my father if this applies to him. His answer is already harvested between my teeth. Nah. To be honest, I never really paid much attention to politics. I was always too busy watching Curse the Cowardly Dog and Johnny Bravo reruns with my pops. I just know that he's been afraid. Because I've been afraid. Like when he used to make me write the address to his little house that sits in the heart of Matanzas in each of my notebooks just in case it's become habit now. Like how leaves only ever loosen their grip when they are preparing to fall. And, and I don't want us to fall. Want those branches for arms to clap for me like they used to back before I knew what I was doing, but I've been learning. And even a father with these massive branches for arms can't stretch them 90 miles off the coast of Key West to greet me again. So, dear God, if I fall, allow me to transcend against the Cuban blue of midnight. That's it. That was amazing. I'm doing a muted tap. <laughs> I know, I could Thank you for being brave enough to share with us on, on this Google Hangout. And we're going to come back to you in a second and talk about your process for writing, but I'd love to um, let you catch your breath for a second. And maybe we can kick it to Khalil and um, just of us, our two mentors on the. Um, on the Hangout, and, and let's talk about some kind of basic fundamentals. Like, we've heard what a spoken word piece, but how would you describe what spoken word is to someone maybe who's brand new to it? Um, I guess I'll just start. For me, we just heard it, right? It, it's um, a poetry that's written for a stage or to be performed. That would be the easiest thing I would say. Um, and I think it comes from a shared culture of a lot of folks who use oratory methods to tell the story. Um, yeah, I don't know what you would say, Josephus, Josephus, excuse me. Yeah, Josephus, Josephus, yeah. Um, so I, I agree. No, it's, it's all good. Um, I think that um, it's a cross between, you know, theater and, and poetry. I think it's, it's definitely part of our culture. So many of our stories have been told, um, whether through music or through rhythm or through rhyme, and, and this art form just um, infiltrates, you know, uh, who we are, and it's very expressive. I think so often when people think of poetry, it's, it happens in a quiet coffee shop in the corner. When we say spoken word, people know it's going to be out in front of people. It's going to be loud. It's going to be um, heart-wrenching. It's going to attempt to touch your soul and connect the people in the audience to what your story is. Mm. Thank you both. Yeah. And let's, let's bring in um, Stephanie and Kathy as well. And you, you create spaces for poets to um, actually create spoken word. And I'm curious to hear from um, someone who creates these spaces, someone who helps to organize this education. You know, why teach spoken word poetry? What do your, what do your um, either youth or college students get out of it? Um, well, in our space, a space for teens, our space 
is one of the 25 or so learning labs that are in museums and public libraries around the country. And our space is really unique and it was designed with the input of teens and they wanted different types of spaces in this space. So they wanted quiet places to read and study but also places to gather and perform. So we have a small space that we call the carpet garden that is a hangout space but it's also a performance space and it just really lends itself to impromptu spoken word or people gathering and so it's really exciting what the first group to use the space I think in a spoken word way was Youth Speaks but just because the space is so inviting and is a space where teens feel comfortable and can gather it's really neat to see that teens on their own even when that program hasn't been happening have been gathering to use the tools of the space to practice and just have a space that kind of like they're living room away from home. Yeah, so Kathy, um, you know, is working in paracurricular education, and, and I'm part of, you know, curricular education and um, work with teachers K through 12, uh, mostly ELA teachers, but also teachers across the curriculum and then, you know, teach and composition program at the university. And I think one of the things that um, we've lamented as teachers is the way that argument has really been closed down. So what does it mean to argue when we're using these really... Um, masculinist, white, elitist notions of argument that have come to us, you know, through a whole tradition and have sort of been codified in the common core state standards. And all. It's really important to look at culturally diverse ways of arguing, what argumentation looks like when we can move beyond Toolman and not just have, you know, claims and, and warrants and counterclaims. What does it mean to have emotion, to have the body, to be able to argue through narrative and the personal? And I think um, Rosemary is... Um, poem is a, is a stunning example of what can happen when we work to diversify what it means to argue, what it means to engage in civic debate, um, and to do so with our whole bodies and our whole lives and our whole selves. That's awesome. And let's kick it back to Rosa Maria. And, and hope, I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about your process and we can open this up a little bit more. And Josephies, please uh, chime in. Khalil. Um, Kathy and Stephanie, let's talk about the process of how we write spoken word poetry. So hopefully our listeners can actually take this and create something on their own. Okay, um, so it starts as an idea, like a little seed that's planted. Um, I'm not sure what which seed was planted when I, I mean actually I am sure. I, it was <laughs> the, whole line, the whole line where I say uh, Sunday evening huddled around the dinner table, that actually happened. And so that's what sparked me, you know, with that motivation to actually write this piece and get this piece out. So that's where it started from. Um, I don't know. It kind of, it kind of just manifests itself that way. I don't, I can't really explain it. It starts with an idea, and then um, a big thing about me with my writing and my poetry, honest as I can, I truly. So, I just think about what's true to me, and I write it down on paper. And if it sounds pretty, then it sounds pretty. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. Like, there's some points on that poem that don't sound pretty, but it's still part of me. It's still part of the writing. It's still part of the honesty. So, that's where I go with it. Josephine, 
Josephus or Khalil, do you want to add about you know what your creative process is like or how you uh, mentor students to find that creative process? I, I guess I was going to say, I know, I think every, everyone has an individual uh, creative process, right? And I know when I mentor young people, um, it's really about their beginning process. Like, how do you, like, for instance, I think you said you wrote that poem with the same prompt that other students would get from this one, right? So if you meet someone in a classroom, they might have a prompt that starts, and this is the beginning to their process, right? And they might not ever do that again, but that started, from my point of view, that, that begins the journey into creating a process, right? At the very beginning of anything I learn how to do, I don't know what it is yet, so I'm investigating. And then when you get comfortable with it, your process comes out of that, you know? So I guess for myself, I have many different ways to write. And when I work with young people, I want to find out the best way that works with them, and that's through practice. And like we did, you know, say your name again. I'm sorry, the poet that went earlier. Um, my name is Rosa Maria. Rosa Maria. Sorry, I could have looked over there. Um, <laughs> it was just so beautiful, right? Like, it was so personal. It was so much going on, and that was her poem. You know what I mean? It comes from her process, her life. And I feel like the more you're able to, like, like Rosa Maria said, speak from an honest place, that type of work comes out, and we all are like, whoa, that's amazing, you know? So... I feel like it's a journey, and I think each one of us has our own process, and it, it eventually happens. Right. So, yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback on that also um, and say that, you know, everybody's process is definitely different, but I think this art form gives us the opportunity to, to share our stories. And everyone has a story. Whether or not you're a poet or not, you have a story. And what all of us create is a safe space for our students to tell their stories. Um, we can always, you know, chop them down to three minutes and 30 seconds or elongate them to, to longer, you know, um, novels or 90-second poems and haikus, but the fact of the matter is, is giving them a voice. And so often in the classroom, students don't have a voice. So what makes this, this art form so powerful is the fact that it allows them to speak, allows them to share, and it gives them a voice and opportunity to be themselves. And when we respect that and understand that and they think that um, we support that, then it just engages them to do that much more. Yeah, I think too often um, in our classrooms we start with standards instead of with students and thinking about what are students' lived experiences, um, what are the, the issues, the problems that are, that are personal and political, and how do we start with those and help cultivate students' voice. I don't think we give them a voice, they have a voice, but how do we make space for that? How do we make sure that we're providing in school and out of school production-centered learning and, and spoken word um, embodiment to happen you know, across the curriculum, whether it's in the library setting after school or whether it's in my class during the school day. We can't just relegate these things to like after school or in school. It's got to be threaded, threaded throughout. And Stephanie, you're working a lot with science prompts, right? Um, trying to get um, people to write poetry about science, which I think is great because I hear a lot about, you know, politics or um, identity. Um, but I haven't heard a ton of poems about science. I'm curious if you would share a little bit about how this works and um, what kind of prompts um, that, or how you uh, create those prompts in a science topic. 
Uh, well, so we were working with scientists from the Museum of Natural Sciences in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the Spoken Word Poets, um, Josephus' group, um, and teachers all over eastern North Carolina. And we were really interested in thinking about, um, you know, around the natural world was one of the, the make cycles that we hosted. Um, so thinking about what's, what's around us and how do we... Um, provide opportunities for young people to engage the natural world and to understand their relationships to or to to figure out their relationships to the natural world um, and to do so both through experience the experience um, outside the experience with nature um, and then how we mediate that through language and and how spoken word poetry becomes a vehicle um, for developing those relationships so we've done that we also did a really neat make cycle um, last year around sound um, so we often talk about in writing writing studies and in writing classrooms, cultivating voice, but we're kind of using it as a metaphor, right? We're thinking about how do you get voice in the written word. Um, but Josephus, you know, comes in and says, no, this is, this is voice. This is how your voice sounds. This is how it resonates. This is its pitch. This is its tone. Um, so we worked with the Museum of an app called, uh, what was the app called? Soundsea, the album called Soundsea, our make cycle was I Viz Psy. Um, and students actually recorded spoken word poems and they watched their, their voices modulate um, visually through the sound waves. And we talked about what makes sound. Um, so not only what is voice sort of metaphorically when we write, how do we choose words, diction, connotations, denotations, um, but also how do we actually produce that with our bodies and what kinds of sounds um, resonate with our bodies. And we really explored sort of the science of sound, um, which is an element of poetry that often gets left out when it's taught in schools because it's more about analyzing poetry, analyzing, finding the rhetorical devices, um, and not so much about production. So that was a really neat opportunity to really think about how the body makes and receives sound and how spoken word poetry um, really, really works with that. Cool. So yeah, if I could, I wanted to piggyback on that also. Um, we had a couple of great exercises. Um, CJ from uh, Sacrificial Poets uh, had us create a, a beat circle. You know, we're talking about science and nature. We all got a chance to create sounds um, in a cipher circle. Um, but together, the sounds of nature that we created um, made like a symphony of, of sounds. And it was something that was able to be translated to a classroom. And students loved, you know, beatboxing and making bird chirping noises and, and cricket noises. And it was a way to really connect um, poetry with nature. Another good thing that we got a chance to do working with um, Stephanie also was we got a chance to personify um, bugs. And so students are very uh, interested in bugs and picking them up and throwing them on each other. But by giving that bug uh, a name, and a storyline, and my um, favorite color, and a favorite song, and uh, what kind of car did he drive? Um, gave the bug uh, an entire story, and so we were able to create poems about their bug. So Tyrone may have been a ladybug from Atlanta who loved to to twerk and who drove a Ferrari. You know, um, had to draw a picture of this bug, um, but at the same time had to understand was it an insect, an arachnid. You know, um, the body parts of the bug and allowed us to connect science to storytelling once again, which is a, a beautiful process. We got a lot of great makes out of that process also. That's very cool. And now, now I'm looking at Kathy sitting here in a, a studio surrounded by equipment. It's making me think about, you know, really the performance aspect of spoken word poetry. So let's talk about the performance piece a little bit and what goes into that. 
Um, you know, how do you take it from writing down on a piece of paper to actually performing it live? What makes a good performance um, when you're doing spoken word poetry? Um, I can't really speak too much to the process of what happens with the equipment per se, but what I can speak to is that I think that the practice that happens with the program that we've had here with You Speaks, the people who come to the program come on their own every single week. They're motivated by having a story like Rosa Marie's story and wanting to craft that, as everyone's mentioned before, in a safe space. So what's different about our space is that it's very much of this peer-led, interest-driven model. People who come here come here because they want to come here and I have to say that Youth Speaks has been our most popular program in that way because when people learn how to um, learn that this is a space where they can be themselves and it's a safe space and they can are truly free to speak their truth they're compelled to want to tell that story and with the mentorship of Kay Swift, a lot of them have taken it to that next level of taking it to do public spoken word pieces in other locations at the other open mics or just even here amongst themselves. So I think really what we're trying to do here is cultivate a safe space in people who may have not realized that they can make their voice live and have it be something that makes their lives better, just having that freedom to be themselves. Yeah, I wanted to uh, jump on that as well, just say, you know, you speak where you deal with voice, and it's from the finding your voice to developing your voice, presenting it, and then application of your voice. And I feel like, you know, when you find it and you start hearing what you sound like and who you are, and you start developing that, right, then it's like, I want to share this, right? I want to present this, uh, present my story. Like uh, Rosa Maria's poem, it's like, I need to tell this story. I have voice, and it needs to be, you know, um, shared. And I feel like, you know, through my own pro my own uh, professional performances and then young people I work with, this is a, a lifelong journey. I don't feel like I'm ever like, that's my voice, it's done, yeah, I can put it away, and you know, I'm finished. It's something that... I'm constantly amazed, you know, in my own personal work and in young people. Like, saw a young person do a poem last week that they, you know, wrote maybe six months ago. And when I saw it six months ago, it was amazing, outstanding. Everything was, you know, really hit you. But their life experience for the last six months with the poem, when I heard it two days ago, it was like, whoa, you know, just some of the same words are said differently, right? Like, when you're performing, there's ways to. You know, you raise your voice, you lower your voice for different meanings. You, you know, different words have different emphasis, different letters, alliteration. You know, there's so many tools to use in a performance. And I feel like one of the best ones is uh, practice. And it's like committing yourself to moving through the piece honestly um, every time you do it. You know, I feel like that's the best form well, that I've seen, right, a performance when you're able to be vulnerable on a stage and allow the work to speak for itself, right? Um, that's what I wanted to add. Yeah, and what's that feedback process look like? You know, someone's kind of pouring their heart and emotion into this piece. How do you create a safe space where maybe mentors or peers can give feedback to a poet? Or maybe Rosemary, you want to talk about your feedback process too, or Josephus. Um, you know, what does that look like in that space when you're giving feedback to a poet? Um, feedback in that space is so. At the poetry project, we go to the library. And on Mondays, it's writings. 
and on Wednesdays it's performance. So let's say I go in on Wednesday and I have this new piece I wrote for Monday or something like that. And I go up and we go around the table or whatever and we stand up in the middle of this circle in front of everybody and we basically spill our guts out for now. Like we spill it out and it it's it's there for me to think of it like Josephus and the other coaches are there, so they let us know, like, oh, well, that metaphor didn't sound right, or oh, you could have done something different. But for the most part, like, my creations are my creations. There isn't a lot of tweaking or like, you know, ch chatter about how it should go or what it, you know, what I'm saying, or how it sounds, or you know, there's no micromanaging really. Um, feedback and support is there within the poetry project, and it's always going to be there. And I think that that backbone is what kind of makes it feel like a safe space for me, knowing that I can go there and spill my heart out and be like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this simile. Can you, like, help me with that? Or, oh, I don't know how I feel about the ending. Can you help me with that? Or something like that. Or just having an open dialogue where somebody being like, oh, well, I don't really understand what you're trying to say in this poem. Maybe you should tighten it up. Like, it's all very friendly and very safe. And so, I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I think we try to create a safe space, um, but but I think that it just depends on what we're working towards. Um, you know, we've got we got B and V coming up. You know what I'm saying? Um, in in two weeks, um, in July. Wait, tell, tell us what B and V is, because I think that's an important program for people to know. So B and V uh, is a is a international. Um, poetry festival that you speak sponsors, you know, every summer. This is what, 24, Khalil? Is that right? I think it's the 24th annual. I think 25 is next year. But they assemble um, 19, teams 19. from. 19? Oh, oh, that's right. 20 19. is big, the big year. Okay, great. Okay, I, I knew I was I was close. I was a few years off. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they assemble teams from all over the world. Um, and they come and they have workshops, they have retreats, um, and they also compete. You know, so you're sharpening iron against iron. You got the best teams, um, ages 13 and 19, from all over the world that um, come together in a city. And this year we're going to be in D.C. And um, if we're practicing to go to B&V, like we we've got to be on our p's and q's. So it's it's a very strenuous process. So while it is a lot of freedom, there's a lot of of cutting and pasting and chopping and and precision and repetition because when you're competing against the best teams in the world, you want your work to be uh, proper, and that process is completely different from a regular workshop on a daily basis because it's just like practicing for a basketball or a football team. You're running your plays over and over and over again because you want people to understand your message. Um, and as an artist, you know we are sometimes very sensitive about our work, but at the end of the day, it's about connecting with your audience. And your coaches and your mentors are there to help your piece become clear to anybody who hears it. And that takes some work and some humility sometimes, and that's a, a big process for people, not only young people, but for people in general. Yeah, one of the ways that um, National Writing Project has really worked to seed a culture of thoughtful response is through the bless, press, and address heuristic, 
which is super simple and we've used it across grade levels and multiple classrooms, especially for folks who are really reticent to share and to get feedback if they haven't been part of that really rich feedback culture. So bless means, you know, all I want to hear is what you think is working in this piece. You know, maybe I'm not ready to be criticized yet. Maybe, maybe this is really new, really fresh. So bless is tell me what works. And then press um, is take it to me. You know, all out criticism, whatever you need to say about this piece, say it. And then address is when you ask for very specific criticisms. Um, so maybe you're saying, does this metaphor work or is this, this rhyme? scheme, uh, you know, working for people here, or, you know, is it clear, is it concise? So that's where the, the author, the poet, would, would really ask you to address a specific part of the piece. So we've really found that, that useful in working with teachers and with working with students um, at multiple levels. It's just a really simple bless, press, or address in letting the author decide what kinds of feedback they need um, to take ownership of their piece and to move it where they want it to go. I love that philosophy. Is there anything around else around feedback that anyone wanted to share? I I, I would just like oh somebody oh, I was gonna say um one thing I the one thing I know I I would like to add to what we said everybody said a lot of great things. One thing I do with a lot of students and I don't get a lot of face to face time with young people anymore. But it's about like before a young person shares their piece, they'll be like, well. Okay, I wrote this poem because, and um, I'm like, they, uh, a friend of mine uses this thing, with, you know, like, just save the platter of well and give me the meal, right? Like, don't start your poem <laughs> with all of this, like, oh, oh, I wrote it in the shower, so you know, you know what I mean? Like, be, because as a listener, I just want to hear the poem. I don't want to hear all the excuses weighed against the poem, like, oh, that's kind of good poem, I guess, when you all the, you know, you had to walk through a blizzard, you know what I mean? It's just kind of get to the piece. I think that's always helped young people I work with because they're like, oh, I can save all that story? Yeah, just tell me the poem. You know, I'm here for you on that level, so. I love that. Yeah, disclaimers, so we'll bring you down every time. <laughs> um, let's, uh, you mentioned a little bit, uh, Josephus, about um, the teams at Brave New Voices, and I wanted to point out, you know, that we've received some poems so far um, from students and, and teachers in classrooms that are working in teams to create poetry. And I was wondering if you want to talk a little bit about this process and how it's different than maybe an individual writing their own piece. You're referring to the next president's piece or the Brave New Voices piece? Well, at Brave New Voices, I see a lot of teams up on stage, and we mm -hmm. certainly invite anyone watching if you want to collaborate with another um, poet to create a, a, a team piece and submit it to the hashtag TuneExpress. That's that's totally cool. But what does that process look like? Is it different than writing your own individual piece or finding your own individual voice? Um, I think it is because it takes teamwork and again I think humility is a big thing um, being having your own voice and, and learning how to share that is, is huge learning how to share the stage um, and share the space with someone else is, is completely different um, I think the concept that we are, are stronger together than apart is important and with a prompt like this letters to the next press you're gonna have so many different ideas about what that means to individuals and I think the more diversity you're able to have about that topic um, the more we can all learn from it. So having somebody um, share a piece with three different perspectives um, 
that come from it, all to the same next president, could be a very powerful piece. And so constantly, um, teamwork you know makes the dream work in, in any sport on any team. And so we really focus hard on crafting pieces that you can come together and share the stage, the space, and their voices. And it builds a lot of character. And the pieces are a lot stronger a lot of times when they have to work with other people. Stephanie and Kathy, is this something you've seen in your programs as well? Do you guys work in teams, or are you more working on in developing individual voice? Uh, here at the mix, it very much, we're still pretty new. So I think the people who are coming to, for example, the U6 programs are coming here individually. We uh, are still very much in our infancy, so we're really the space for somebody like uh, Rosa Marie who might want to come and has a story to tell but doesn't maybe know how to tell that story, find someone who she could meet with a mentor and have that person who can kind of help them through the process. That's really our space. That being said, we are totally open to people who come together as teams and certainly are a place where groups can be together and the group process facilitates itself, but very much we are a very much interest-driven space primarily. Really um, trying to, this next year, emphasize our space as a space where teens can come and find their passion that's outside of what they may be feel that they're confined to in other spaces like school. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of collaborative writing. Um, yeah, in fact, we were with a group of teachers today talking about the ways that, that argument often gets taken up as, you know, an individual sounds his or her voice, and it's over. You know, you turn it into the teacher, and then the next individual takes a turn. But that's not really how argument tends to work in, in the real world. Um, and so we've done things, uh, like Josephus mentioned, the Beat Circle has been hugely popular in our network, uh, which brings a whole class together, a whole gr group of young people together to do a collaborative poem um, based on one line or a sound from nature, um, kind of starting off with a beat, and then everybody adds um, their individual voice into this collaborative piece. We also um, have done some work around dialogic poems, um, which my students really enjoyed at the college level, um, where they would work with a partner and they did this around um, insect collection, so they um, observed uh, near a bright light on campus the kinds of insects were there and then they personified those insects and they were often looking at prey and predator relationships and they would personify the insects and each would take a take on a different voice and write a collaborative poem of what one would say to the other um, and they had so much fun performing those um, and I think particularly for folks who are new to writing poetry and new to spoken word um, being able to do it collaboratively is a nice um, low barrier entry point uh, it can be a lot of fun Ms. Stephanie, you just shared with us a Google Doc, um, your quad box letters to the next president with some questions to get poets started thinking about their topic and the, the creative words that they're going to use in their poem. Do you want to talk a little bit about that for those who can't see it? Maybe uh, we could even tweet it out um, on the hashtag for any educators who want to use it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So this is a remix of a remix of a remix. We've been using this quad box poem thing since one of our first make cycles with remix, remake, curate. Um, and I don't know if Josephus first came up with it or if it was Mike. Or, I, mean, I don't remember exactly where it originated. Um, but we've kind of remixed this for different purposes. Well, we um, when I really wanted some some tangible tools to work with students, um, and you know I'm not I'm not saying poetry should be formulaic, absolutely not. But to brainstorm and to get started, I think things like the quad box poem um, can really help us uh, sort of move beyond being afraid to get something down on paper or on screen um, and sort of get us thinking. Uh, so the quad box um, that I shared, I adapted um, specifically for letters to the next president. Um, and thinking about sort of first defining an issue, so what kinds of issues, you know, what does our next president need to know, what's important to you personally, so again, instead of starting from some sort of standard or a list of generated issues, um, what in your personal life um, is, is part of this political spectrum. Um, and then using um, some really common and pretty basic um, poetry uh, rhetorical devices, so making a metaphor, this issue is like blank because to really help us start thinking through um, creative ways of phrasing, of framing issues. Um, so creating imagery, what does it look like, smell like, sound like, feel like, taste like, hyperbole. Um, so exaggeration, um, what might be a best case scenario or a worst case scenario and how might those exaggerations help people to see the gravity in the issue. Um, thinking through connotation, denotation, so connotation more about the feeling of the issue, what words get at that feeling for you, those personal associations, and then denotation I think gets us at how other people define the issue, um, how is it defined by others, who gets to define, um, and so it can also get at using nonfiction sources, bringing sources into our work. Um, Personification, does the issue have a face, a body? What story can you tell to embody it? And I thought Rosemary's poem did a wonderful job um, of showing us the face of the issues involved with immigration. Um, and then creating a refrain, like a chorus, um, so thinking through comments, questions, or essential truths about your issue. Um, so this is certainly not meant to be, you know, write, fill in the blanks, smash it together to create a poem. Um, but it can be a really useful starting point for, for brainstorming, for getting, getting some words out, um, and for creating some fodder. Um, and I think certainly if you use those collaboratively, especially if you may have multiple people working on a similar issue, um, how might you put these together? How might you remix some of this um, to create uh, something that's going to have a lot of power and resonance through spoken word? Cool. I think that, um, I don't know who created that quad box. I think being in the room with a lot of intelligent people, great things happen. <laughs> so I think that um, just that collaboration of being a chance, having a chance to work with, with um, the Tower Writing Project and the National Writing Project was um, just a great experience and a lot of great things came out of that. I think the point of the quad box is that a lot of teachers um, don't think that teaching poetry is easy. Right, a lot of people that want to write don't always know how to write. And so providing as many tools as possible for people from across the uh, across the page, you know, is 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 the goal because you always want people to feel comfortable. Um, I know a big thing that we're doing this year with the poetry project is creating an institute to actually work on teaching teachers how to use poetry in their classroom. Um, so often I hear them say that they have trouble teaching poetry. I don't know how to get poetry across to their students. Um, and our Khalil said earlier he doesn't get a lot of face-to-face -face time with students anymore. And so I think 
you know, with the, this art form becomes more and more popular every year. More people want to get involved with it, and I think that we can't be everywhere at the same time. And so the next logical thing is to start training more teachers on how to use this this powerful art form in their classrooms um, to open up their students and motivate them. And so the Poetry Project is working on an institute that we're doing this summer to actually train teachers on how to use poetry as a catalyst for character development, literacy, um, and so many other things in their classroom. That's awesome, and I know you guys kept saying, you know, it's not formulaic, but these are really helpful tools. I remember, Khalil, you told, what were the first two rules of, of Youth Speaks um, at your workshops? Find like, and develop. So finding your voice, developing your voice, uh, presenting your voice, and then applying it. Um, and you can put any word in there for voice, right? You find blank and you... Uh, develop blank and then you present blank and you apply blank you know and we obviously work in voice so that's what we've uh, done and I think what it does is it, it you know it doesn't even always go in that linear uh, way but like those four we think those are the four keys to getting to a place where you feel like agency over your voice right yeah and I think you told me too um, the only standard is you is that what you also tell oh me. yeah, the two rules, which oh, are like okay, rules, yeah, yeah. So um, the standard is you, and um, there are no wrong answers. So there are there are no wrong answers, and the standard is you. So then from there, a lot of young people are like, oh wow, that means I get to be myself, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think you know that's important because I think people hear a great poem and like I want to sound like that, or you see somebody who dances, I want to dance like that. It's like no, you want to be awesome like that with your style. Doing it from your point of view, it's going to make someone else want to do the form, but you can never be like anybody else, right? Like, I just feel like that is a problem that I see in the world beyond just young people, just people who want to be like someone else when it's an impossibility. Um, so, yeah, those two rules help us a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I, I thought that was great because, you know, I think there's, as a mentor, a teacher, um, you've got all these tools and these strategies to get people thinking. Um, but then at the end of the day, you really want to encourage people's uh, creative process to be an individual. So um, I think those are all really incredible resources. And if you have any more, I think in our last 10 minutes here, definitely shout them out. Um, in fact, we've got one question from our Twitter audience. Are there helpful resources for collaborative spoken word poetry? Um, any Anyone want to respond to that? Um, I know for sure in prepping for this webinar, I watched a ton of videos on the Youth Speaks YouTube page, um, and they've got all sorts of team competition videos up there from their Brave New Voices. So mentor texts with team poets can be um, an incredible resource, and, and Youth Speaks has no shortage of them. So definitely check out their YouTube page. Um, any other resources you'd want to throw in uh, for creating collaborative spoken word poetry? I, I want to say there's some on our, our remix remake curate site. Um, they're about bugs, <laughs> but we did do a, a short intro about how to actually create a group piece um, for elementary and middle school students. So it's actually a writing prompt and a small video inside of the um, the Google Plus site. And I think we can probably put that link up um, to make it available to everybody too. Definitely. I'm not, um, and any other questions from our Twitter audience, or you can ask them in the um, Google Hangout on air as well. We'll give you a few more minutes here to ask your questions. Um, 
I also wanted to mention if you're looking for tools to record your own sp spoken word piece, obviously YouTube um, is, is a great resource. Um, SoundCloud is another place you can record um, if you want to do just audio. If you want to mix in media as well, you can always um, you know, create a video uh, with imagery and, and words on screen as well. You know, the sky is the limit for creating uh, your spoken word piece. Um, use these tools, tweet them out to, to next prez. Uh, we definitely want to see them. And any other questions from our Twitter audience? Uh, well, we had one extra question since we have a little time, and I think it's one that a lot of people um, are a little bit frightened of when they talk about this idea of live performance. Um, so let's throw it out there. What happens if you freeze up during a performance? Has this ever happened to you, and how did you get around it? What are some strategies in case you, you're up on stage, you're live, and all of a sudden you freeze? <laughs> um. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Um, so that's definitely happened to me a few times. I don't know. If <laughs> I don't know if it's like if it's freezing or just getting so nervous that like my words stumble and I just stop and I'm just like. And um, there really is no correct answer on how to get over it. I just know that Josephus, you know, told me from the beginning, because when I first came into the Poetry Project, I would have this habit of just stopping in the middle of my poems. Like, when I messed up, I would just stop and be like, ah, I messed up. Um, but he was like, no, you got to push through it, because you only have one chance on stage. There ain't no redo. You got to give them the story. So if you mess up, you mess up. But um, really, it's just like kind of, kind of getting yourself out of that little, like, ah, crap place and like remembering that you're here to tell a story and that you're here to hopefully help other people identify with you at least that's what helps me I think um because I get because most of the time when I you know freeze up or I get very nervous it's because I'm inside of myself so when I kind of like take that moment to breathe or something like that and to remember my, the rest of my piece it gives me you know like it allows me to remember that I'm not just doing it for me. That somebody in that audience could actually genuinely care about what I have to say. So that's why I, where I get the motivation to finish it. But of course, it's not everybody's not like that because everybody has different, you know, like uh, confidence levels and anxiety and stuff like that. And you never know what's going to happen under the pressure. But it's important to just try to push through, like if you can. If not, run off stage. But if you can push through, and you can and you can tell your story. And you can think that 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 your story is gonna matter to somebody else. I think that's the most important thing to help you get through when you're frozen on stage or when you're stuck or when you mess up or something like that. I was gonna say, um, yeah, I've definitely been frozen on a stage before, and it's. Um, I think it's more terrifying in your mind than it is when it's happening, because when it's happening, it's like. I guess I go into like some other mode and I it comes out like but you know like when you when you get stuck anywhere I think it's okay one it's okay <laughs> right and it's happening and being able to like if you need to start over then that's okay right if you can say the last word because sometimes the way we 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 memorize things it's about the last word so then you start from that sentence before you go again and it comes back into you because you've repeated it so much like that 
Um, I've also started improv until something popped in my head that was close to what I had written before. Um, there's a lot of methods, but you know, one of the things, and this is probably my last point about it, one of the things I'm always big on is like not beating yourself up in the process. Like you already feel bad that you did it and you start calling yourself names, you know, like so then where do you go from there? Um, so for me, I think it's really important to make be patient with yourself and go through the process however you do. And then when you're off the stage, you figure out what happened. And I don't know, I just don't make everything because I know people who make things so big that you don't want to go on stage anymore. I'm so scared. And it's like, that's not it. It's just something just glitched. There's so much in our head sometimes. It makes sense, you know? Mm. So, I think mechanically, uh, repeating your last lines to what we work on a lot of times at the Poetry Project is, you know, having this poet to their last line again. Um, and that sometimes I just reboots and puts them back into where they are. Or, you know, um, you freestyle <laughs> until you figure out where you're supposed to go. Or you say the next line that you do remember, because nobody knows you messed up except you, and probably your coaches. <laughs> but other than that, you just skip to a place in the poem that you do know. Um, and silent pauses are always good with poetry. <laughs> it's dramatic. <laughs> so, so you know, compose yourself um, and pick up the next line that you know and finish the poem. I think finishing is important. Um, too often in life, we, we give up and we stop. And so I don't care if the poem is 20 minutes long, like finish, finish it, right? Because you started it and your job is to finish it. And so. Um, yeah, we don't we don't ever walk off stage. We finish our poem um, at the poetry project because we get in the habit of knowing that giving up is not an option, that stopping is not an option, that everybody messes up in life and on stage, but finishing it is important. So I have a quick question about sharing your poetry. Do you have um, go-to forums or channels? Is it SoundCloud, YouTube, um, all of the above? What what do you where do you how do you get it out? I think YouTube is probably the biggest place to get poetry out right now, especially spoken word poetry because people want to see it and they want to hear it, um, and and everybody checks YouTube for poems, you know. So if your poem goes viral on YouTube, everybody has a has a hit. Everybody wants to see it. It'll be posted to Facebook. Um, and so I think that's probably the biggest viable place for a spoken word artist is YouTube. Yeah, I was gonna co-sign that. It's just a really nice community, and it's a I mean, the bank load of uh, videos, it's ridiculous, you know, like, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I would say YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And so, so do you need to use a particular hashtag on YouTube so that you can be found when folks are searching? Any recommendations about, about you know, how to index or tag? I think it's about the poem. I don't think it's about the tag at all. If you do a dope poem and, and people um, resonate with it and share it, People are gonna are gonna find you. Um, so it's about the work, not about the the tag. Because um, there's so much work out there that people are putting up, but it's about um, somebody liking, appreciating, and sharing it with a friend, and somebody else sharing it. Somebody else sharing it before you know it, you your hits just just go up. And so I don't, yeah, I wouldn't say anything about a tag. Claire, what do you what do you think about tags? Oh, Khalil, I think you just got muted. Were you going to respond to that? Uh, I was, but then I said that's okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can definitely take your pieces with two next prez. Um, for this, for the next several months, we're going to be collecting spoken word poetry. Uh, we invite educators over the next week, if you're watching this live, to post their um, pieces as part of our make cycle. 
And then at KQED, we're collecting youth work through the end of the month. So hopefully um, uh, anyone at the mix there in San Francisco Public Library will post some poems um, to Two Next Press. So that's a great place to look. Um, definitely check out all of our resources that we've posted on this webinar page. You'll also find some great um, pieces of poetry there to incorporate into your programs to give you inspiration. Uh, we've got some uh, tips and tools going out on our, uh, our Twitter feed, so definitely check that out. Is there anything else any of our speakers want to add before we sign off? All right, well then, uh, oh, go ahead, Josie. Well, I was just going to say thank you. You know, I think um, any, any form that um, gives us access to the art and access to new people um, and sharing our ideas is, is important. Um, so I always appreciate the forum and the opportunity and the space to, to share work and to connect with people who are passionate about the work. Here, here. I echo that. Thank you so much to Josephus, uh, Khalil, uh, Liana for helping us organize this at um, Educator Innovator. Rosa Maria for sharing her amazing piece. Stephanie and Kathy um, for organizing great spaces for poetry. Um, and I'm Renee, your host from KQED. Um, we want to thank all of you for attending and participating in our Twitter chat. If you want to find more webinars like these, you can always check us out at educatorinnovator.org um, or follow us on Twitter at innovates underscore ed. Um, and please feel free to check out our two next prez with a Z hashtag on Twitter for more resources uh, to post your poetry. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, the election issues for uh, the rest of the year. So definitely come there to check us out. You can also go to our website, letters2president.org, to find lots more uh, resources and opportunities like this. So thank you again, everyone. That's it for today. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.